If you've got your Bible, would you turn to uh, the 24th chapter of Genesis, the marriage of Isaac, and uh, some incredible stuff we left off last time with uh, uh, Abraham's unnamed servant, a type of the Holy Spirit, sent to get a bride for his son, Isaac. And um, Jesus promised us that. He promised us the Holy Spirit, that, that he would come and that he would send him. And in John chapter 15, verse 26, it says, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit empowers us as believers to testify of and speak the name of Jesus. Because you and I, in our cowardice, uh, won't do that because uh, we're cowards. And, but the Holy Spirit comes to give us a power to overcome that cowardice and to um, um, be able to speak. Notice he's called the spirit of truth. And, um, and so my desire from this position that for some crazy reason that God has allowed me to have here may be over today, but... Um, I want to speak truth, and I want to be led by the Holy Spirit. Now, sometimes my, uh, as my friend would call it, coarse jesting or the like, uh, has brought an offense. Please come and address that with me. I would like to apologize. So, starting, we I made it all the way through verse twenty-eight, and we're gonna we're gonna start. Um, in verse 29, but we better pray first. So Lord, we, we do thank you. Thank you that you lead us into truth, uh, all truth, even when that truth hurts. And so uh, may we be willing to embrace your truth, Lord, and realize that the change um, doesn't come on your part, but on ours. Lord, that you uh, have the ability with your truth to change us from glory to glory, to show us, Lord, uh, the way and uh, enable us to walk in it. And so, Lord, today I, I pray that. I pray that uh, for myself. I pray it for the people in this room. And um, it appears that time is short. And, Lord, this, I just pray for an urgency in all of our hearts to be right with our God, to be right with our fellow man, and, um, Lord, to uh, be the pen of a ready writer. Lord, when you have a, um, a certain thing for us to do as your people and a certain calling, Lord, may we not drag our feet. May we not lag back or, or, or bolt ahead, but to, to really allow you to guide us with your eyes and to take us to that place um, where our life is complete in you. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, this Holy Spirit... Um, is the, the uh, type of this servant that goes to get Rebecca. And Re Rebecca's response to the servant uh, was very hospitable. She embraced and refreshed the man. You remember her getting the water and, and giving him a drink and watering his camels with Lord knows how many gallons of water. And so I guess I need to ask you is what is your response today to the Holy Spirit? How do you respond when this spirit prompts you. And you know it. You know it. I, I remember this at a very young age. 
Uh, nine years old is the first time I really sensed the Spirit prompting me to do something. And, uh, and it was to go forward. And, and to, uh, I had a desire to not go to hell. <laughs> and uh, that prompting, I, I acted on it. You know, and and again, when I was fourteen, I had a had an experience with the Lord, and and what do you do? Do you do you bristle up? Do you not go? Because uh, the Bible says that we have this relationship with the Holy Spirit, and you can um, you can grieve the Spirit of God, you can quench the Spirit of God, and I read just this morning in Hebrews chapter ten, you can insult the Spirit of God. And his spirit of grace, you can insult him. And so, how do you respond? Uh, when we grieve the spirit of God, uh, we're encouraged not to. Actually, in Ephesians chapter four, verse thirty, some of you can look back on your life and you know uh, maybe a time when you've grieved the spirit. And uh, Paul tells us there in Ephesians, "Do not grieve the." Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Right? It's the Spirit of God that gave you the moxie to say Jesus is Lord of your life. And to grieve that is, is not wise. Um, when we, when we quench the Spirit of God, it, it talks about that in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Uh, it says, do not quench the spirit. Do not utterly reject prophecies, but examine everything. Hold firmly to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. And it appears here that you can quench the spirit of God by just being maybe a jerk to somebody who's teaching the Bible. Saying, oh, they, they don't know what they're talking about. They got that wrong. It's just test things. Hold it. What's a good, Right? Eat the meat, spit the bones out, test all things, hold on to what's good. Um, we don't have to be jerks. I have a tendency to be a jerk. Uh, you can ask my wife. You can ask these two kids that were standing up here linguists. Ask them. They know what a jerk their old man can be. And um, I have that tendency, but I don't want to go there, right? I, I hope you don't want to go there. And, and in doing so, many times we quench the Spirit of God. What he wants to do in our lives. He wants us to be gentle. I wasn't very gentle just a few minutes ago. I got, like I said, got talked to about something I'd said last week. And um, I, didn't, I didn't handle it very well. I got, I got kind of fuzzed up, actually. I st I'm still kind of fuzzed up. <laughs> but uh, take a deep breath, Scotty. Amen. We definitely don't want to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Jesus talks about that pretty seriously there in Matthew 12, 31. Therefore, I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. I am convinced that the Holy Spirit comes and knocks on the door of your heart and mind. If you continually, constantly, over and over and over again harden your heart, there is a time when he will not show up. 
And that is a scary thing. Blasphemy will not be forgiven of the Holy Spirit. You say, what is that? Well, I just think you harden your heart till the day you die. I've seen people on their deathbed that I'm very fearful they had hardened their heart to that point because all they could do was be in fear and torment as they were dying. I've seen others on their deathbed do just the opposite. They yield to the Holy Spirit, right? Which is the next three things you can do with the Holy Spirit. You can receive the Spirit. You can be led by the Spirit. You can walk in the Spirit. Rebecca, in symbolically, she receives the Spirit. Jesus, remember, he breathed on his disciples there in John chapter 20 and says, receive you the Holy Spirit. I need that. I need to receive the Spirit. I need to be led by the Spirit. I need to walk in the Spirit. And so Rebecca seems to be doing this as a a beautiful picture of receiving this servant, a type of the Holy Spirit, and in process, listen, in process, she receives gifts. When you receive the Holy Spirit, when you are led by the Spirit, and choose to walk in the Spirit, God will impart gifts to you because I'm convinced that if you are a Spirit-filled, born-again Christian, God has a work for you to do, and He wants to equip you to do so, and, and He will give gifts, right? Some evangelists, some, some prophets, some teachers, right? Uh, there's, there's gifts of healings, there's gifts of tongues, there's gifts of prophecy, There's all these gifts that God desires to give. And it doesn't take very long for him to recognize Rebecca's yielding to the Spirit. And he gives you, remember, the nose ring and the the bracelets of gold. And so she takes off and runs to her family. And so we'll pick the story up in verse 29, where it says, Now, Rebekah had a brother whose name was Laban, and Laban ran out to the man by the well. So it came to pass when he saw the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's wrist, and when he heard the words of his sister Rebekah saying, this man spoke to me, and that he went to the man. And there he stood by the camels at the well, and he said, Come on, O blessed of the Lord, why do you stand outside? For I have prepared, I have prepared a house and a place for your camels. Then the man came to the house, and he unloaded the camels, and provided straw and feed for the camels, and water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. Food was sent before him to eat, set before him to eat. But he said, I will not eat until I have told my errand. And so here's this guy. He's, uh, he's now, first he encounters Rebecca. Now he encounters Laban. Now Laban uh, is her brother. And it, it appears that her dad is still alive. Uh, But at this point, it seems that Laban took the lead in representing the family. Perhaps Laban was already known for his ability to make a good deal. 
uh, to make a deal to his advantage. Uh, we're going to see his dealings later in the, in the book of Genesis. He's, uh, he gives a whole new meaning to, to uh, a shyster, right? And so, um, so he's ministering uh, to the man. He's thinking, hmm, wonder what I can get. I'm thinking it, the gold had provoked him a little bit. Just knowing this guy's character, that he's, uh, he's thinking, hmm, wonder what else this guy's got. He's got 10 camels. He must be, right? He must be loaded. And uh, literally, loaded. And he's wanting to see maybe what he can get. But notice there's reference here in this family of Rebekah and Laban to the Lord. In verse, 20, in verse 31, it says, Come in, O blessed of the Lord. That word there is Yahweh. Well, we remember Abraham when he's called out of Ur of the Chaldees. He's an idol worshiper. But maybe because these are descendants of Shem, right? That's where we get our word Semitic, Shemitic. These are Shemitic people. They are descendants of Shem. They must have known about the God of the flood, the God of judgment, the God maybe who caused confusion there at, at the Tower of Babel. And, um, and they're recognizing him. Oh, blessed of the Lord, Yahweh. Maybe hearing, maybe they heard through the grapevine about, about Abraham and his, his faith. His people heard about your faith? Like, man, they changed. What happened to them? They used to be such a party animal. What's going on now in their life? They're, I had a friend come see me one time. We was in high school together. He was a senior when I was a freshman, so he corrupted me quite well. And he came to see me. He was selling insurance. I said, yeah, come. Give me your spiel. You know? So he came give me my spiel. And we got to talking back and forth. We hadn't seen each other in 20 years. He looked at me and goes, I heard about it, but it's hard to believe. But you don't even cuss anymore. I said, praise the Lord. And um, it's... A changed life. Maybe they've heard about Abram's, Abraham's changed life that, and, and what this God of, of uh, his has been doing in his life. Uh, what a witness, huh? When God's, it's one thing when you can see things that God's doing in your life, but it's another thing when others can see it, right? And we're called to be this witness that we're being changed from glory to glory. I remember my younger brother, Rick, was a, he was a pastor, a senior pastor at 26. And so he was getting the rough knocked off quite regularly there for a few years as a, as a young pastor. And um, about 10 years had gone by, and he'd been in the pastor, and he'd gone to California, came back, started Calvary Chapel, Idaho Falls. And a mutual friend of ours, a guy by the name of Steve Harris that lived down in Twin Falls, Steve had come up and came to um, a big celebration they were doing here in town. And he, he walks up to Rick, he goes, wow. And he knew Rick as a Christian. He never knew him as a punk, you know, um, in trouble with the law. And so he, he, he walks up to Rick and, and uh, he goes, wow, you're not nearly as arrogant as you used to be. Right? <laughs> there, the God, he's constantly being, he's changing us. He's knocking the chunks off, so to speak. And... Um, 
And God is, is, is changing our lives, and it should be evident to others. And so this, this layman, he recognizes that the Lord is involved in this thing, and, um, and that, that, that people have changed. Now notice, it, he, he sent, he sent the, the man because uh, Abraham did not want Isaac to take a wife from the Canaanite women. Why is that? Because of their wicked practice, their wicked worship. He knew that his son would be corrupted. He knew that his son would become just like Lot. Years ago, there was a pastor here in town, and uh, he had two boys. And when them boys hit 15, 16, or maybe they were, they were 14 and 16, he left. He left Idaho Falls. Why? Because of all these cute little Mormon girls running around. Right? He just knew, sure enough, one of them's going to marry that, and they're going to go the other way, and they're going to be influenced spiritually. Sometimes that's so true. But Abraham didn't want that for his son. He wanted a bride that would be virtuous and that would Maybe if she didn't know Yahweh, that she would be open to giving her life into worshiping him. So when he saw the nose rings and the bracelets on his sister, Laban's eyes were on the riches the servant brought. Uh, he was mo motivated to show uh, appropriate hospitality to this mysterious visitor. And in the East, uh, hospitality is the first law. I remember reading the book Lone Survivor about the Marines that got blew up there in Afghanistan and the, the, the village of people there in Afghanistan that took this man in. And they vowed, the whole village vows to protect this man's life. He's a stranger. They don't know him from anybody. I'm telling you, that don't happen here. That don't happen in this country. But in that country, we see throughout Scripture that, that people would be around the, the town square that when a stranger would come in, they would invite them to their home and to take care of them. And that's why the Scripture encourages us, right? Don't forget to entertain strangers. Why? Because of the angels, right? Some have entertained angels unaware, not knowing, and in. In this country, we're like, don't talk to strangers, right? Have you ever thought that not talking to a stranger might be robbing you of a blessing? Right? You ever thought about that? And so Laban's involved, the family's involved, and notice what this guy says. He says, I will not eat until I have told my errand. And um, so this dude is focused on what God has called him to do, on his mission. He would not be distracted. C.H. Spurgeon says this about this, this thought, not eating until his, he's told about his errand. Like every true servant of Christ, he puts his master's business before his own ease or comfort, even before the question of necessary food. When a man begins to think more of his eating than of doing the will of God, he ceases to be a true-hearted minister. I think that's a, that's a good thing. Watch your appetite, boys. It might run away with you. 
and the evidence will soon tell on you. Right? I'm getting a little thick in my waist as it is. But he's, he's focused. He's, he's dialed in on what he wants to share. And he said, speak on. And so he said, verse 34, I am Abraham's servant. So the Lord has blessed my master greatly. And he has become great, and he has given him flocks and herds, silver, gold, male and female servants, and camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when he was old, and to him he has given all that is his. Now my master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I dwell, but you shall go to my father's house and to my family and take a wife for my son. And I said to my master, perhaps the woman will not follow me. But he said to me, the Lord, the Lord before whom I walk will send his angel with you and prosper your way. And you shall take a wife for your, for my son from my family and from my father's house. You will be you will be clear from this oath when you arrive among my family, for if they will not give her to you, then you will be released from my oath. And this day I came to the well and said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, if you will now prosper the way in which I go, behold, I stand by the well of water, and it shall come to pass that when the virgin comes out to draw water, and I say to her, Please give me a little water from your pitcher to drink. And she says to me, drink, and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. But before I had finished speaking in my heart, there was Rebecca coming out with her pitcher on her shoulder. And she went down to the well and drew water and said, and I said to her, please let me drink. And she made haste and let her pitcher down from her shoulder and said, drink, and I will give your camels drink also. So I drank, and she gave the camels to drink also. Then I asked her and said, whose daughter are you? And she said, the daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah born to him. So I put the nose ring on her nose and the bracelets on her wrist, and I bowed my head and worshiped the Lord and blessed the Lord God of my master Abraham, who had led me in the way of truth to take the daughter of my master, master's brother, for his son. Now, if you, if you will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me. And if not, tell me that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. And so he just re um, Hearses all that the Lord had done, how the Lord was, was leading him. He knew that. Abraham knew it. Abraham knew that he was going to run into this specific girl. Notice he didn't have to go through many. Right? It was the first one that come. And it's interesting when the virgin came out. Well, a lot of virgins would come out to get water. But there was a specific one. Just like there's a specific one for you and for me. Uh, there's a specific Savior. And his name is Jesus. There's not another. Have you read the book of Isaiah? He says, I am the Lord. Apart from me, there is no Savior. None. 
There's no other way. And it's fascinating that people try to concoct some way. It's kind of like, now I'm, I'm, I'm going to step on some toes here because I know some of you has, have done this. And I, I almost did it. You've gone to the bar to find your mate. I've met beautiful Christian people said, how'd you guys meet? Oh, we met in a bar, <laughs> right? And the Lord redeemed them, and it's awesome. But that's not the best place to go mate shopping, is a bar, right? Because it, it goes from bad to worse, depending on how long you've been doing it. Um, but he knew... He knew where to send his servant. He knew that, that God was going to provide this woman for his son. Um, but the servant's having, but what ifs? You ever do that? Oh, yeah, Lord, I, I kind of feel this. You're kind of prompting me to do this thing, but, but what if? What if what? I always tell people all the time when they come to me with that, I really feel like the Lord's you know, prompted me to do this, but man, it would, you know, I'd have to give up my job. It pays really good. I'd have to, I'd have to leave my family. I'd have, but what if, you know what? God allows U-turns. If the Lord's moving you to do something, don't get all, don't doubt, right? The Bible says that. He who doubts, right? He who doubts is like, like water, it's, you're, you're just tossed to and fro because doubts just plague your mind. But what if this and what if that? And what if we get killed on the way? They could have. That's, it's a long trek across there from, from Israel over to, to uh, where these people were. Could have, could have happened. But God brings a confidence. God brings a calm and he'll put a peace in your heart. It may take a while, but he'll get you there, right? And so this guy, listened to his master, and he went. The point that the Lord, is, I think, is trying to make here is just do what I tell you to do. Abraham is telling the servant to go. And so as he looks back on Abraham's life and all the time that he spent with him, because if this is, in fact, Eliezer, he spent a long time with Abraham. He has watched all the things that God has done. Have you watched somebody's life like that? He just watched their life. And you're thinking, God, you're so blessed. Even when trouble comes, even when hard time comes, you're so blessed. I was just talking this morning to a sister that lost a little boy and how she was telling me how blessed she was. And so many people that I've seen that have gone through that are like, no, they're bitter. In fact, you can't even hardly be around them. They're so bitter. I just want to thank all of you for praying for my granddaughter Paisley, for those of you who knew that she was in ICU. She had some internal bleeding. They tapped her belly and pulled two liters of blood off her body, out of her body cavity, which was over half her blood volume. That explained why when we were in the, in the 
in the emergency room the other night, I looked at her hand, it was almost transparent. She had lost so much blood. And um, they got her on the mend, she's home. So thank you so much for her prayers, but your prayers. But we were sitting there talking in the emergency room and this 11 year old is hearing all this internal bleeding, surgery, what they, things they would have to do. And obviously it's overwhelming her and she gets a little upset. And she goes, well, I don't want to die. And uh, my daughter says, well, honey, you're not going to die. But if you did, you'd be with Jesus. Right? Well, you shouldn't talk to a kid about that. Really? You know, kids die all the time. Unfortunately, yes, somebody just said, unfortunately, kids die all the time. What's important is that they're ready to die. And that's your job as parents and grandparents. And that's my job as a parent and a grandparent. Is to be ready. And to walk in the Spirit and realize once you come to grips with that, no matter what, you belong to the Lord. Paul told us that whether we live, whether we die, we belong to the Lord. Then we can go do what God calls us to do. Just go do it. What do you got to lose? Absolutely nothing. Yes, you might have to make a U-turn and readjust. But God's going to bless you. God's going to bless you for being obedient and for listening. And he tells him here, he gives him an out. He says, so, so will, you guys, uh, will you guys talk to me about this? And if not, tell me that I may turn to the right hand or the left. Is she going with me or not? He's asking for a decision. The Lord may be asking you for a decision today. What are you going to do? Are you going to drive or get off the road? Right? Are you going to go? Are you going to stay? Are you going to leave? You may be make, needing to make a decision in your own heart. You may be needing today to make a decision to fully follow Jesus. You've been playing right? You've just been playing. You've been playing with the Lord. You're not all in. You're liking what you're hearing, but you're not all in yet. And you know, that's really obvious when people are living their lives, right? You just watch. You just watch how they live their life and it tells the story, whether they're all in or not. And you know, in your heart of hearts, whether you're all in or not. If you're not, you may be really good at hiding it. Can I just tell you? Your sin is going to find you out, man. Throw in the towel. Surrender. Nothing hidden. And so the servant kind of puts some pressure on Beth, Uel, and Laban going, okay, let us know. What's, what's up? I like their response here. In verse 50, it says, then Laban and Beth, Uel, so the dad's in the scene at this point, said, the thing comes from the Lord. We cannot speak to you either bad or good. Here is Rebecca before you. Take her and go and let her be your master's son's wife, as the Lord has spoken. Wow. That seems, that seems pretty faithful, doesn't it? It seems really faithful. Just as the Lord has spoken, he's in this. Verse 52 says, and 
And it came to pass when Abraham's, Abraham's servant heard their words that he worshiped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. And then the servant brought out jewelry of silver, jewelry of gold and clothing and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave precious things to her brother and to her mother. So everybody's blessed. Everybody's blessed with this this servant, Holy Spirit-like person coming to their house and putting a call on Rebecca's life. Do you know your whole family gets blessed? Can be totally blessed from your faith? Even if they don't believe. I've just watched families over the years and, and even just still in awe of what the Lord is doing in one of their family members' lives. And, and pretty soon, even those who don't believe, they'll, they'll tell people to go to church. Right? They'll, they'll tell people, my sister-in-law, her mom and dad, I mean, they became evangelists after they, you know, realized that Rick's Christianity was not a, um, you know, just a put on. But they, they actually, hey, yeah, you should, if you're not a false, you should go to Calvary Chapel, Idaho Falls. Yeah, you know, it's really good. You'll like it. And I don't even know at that time if they were even walking with the Lord, but they, everybody's blessed because they see God working. And does that mean they're going to heaven? No, they have to come to Jesus like all of us do individually. But the families can be blessed. And here, uh, Rebecca's family is blessed. His brother and his mother receives these gifts from, from the man. And maybe they wanted more. We don't know. Because you go to verse 54, and it kind of changes tune. And it says, And he and the men who were with him ate and drank and stayed all night. And they rose in the morning. And he said, Send me away to my master. But her brother and her mother said, Let the young woman stay here with us a few days, at least ten. After that, she may go. They're realizing they're never going to see her again. What do you say to people that you know you're never going to see again? Right? I, I've been in the, the room with people that are dying, and you're going, what do you say to them? Just make, make sure you, they know you love them, right? These guys wanted to take 10 days. Maybe, maybe Rebecca was just that breath of fresh air to the family. And they know that at this point, they're never going to see her again. She's going 450 miles away as the crow flies. Six to 700 miles if you're going to journey there. They're never going to see her again. They're going, whoa, 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 whoa. This is going to take her away from us. That's why some people get so upset when somebody gets saved. Why? Because it takes you away. I remember Jesus took me away from a lot of things and a lot of people. Not that I totally severed my relationship with them, but I had to, to kind of engage them at a distance. He does that. They're concerned. Actually, those gifts didn't last very long, right? Material blessing is short-lived, but spiritual blessing is forever. Right, these guys got the mom and the, the the brother got blessed with all kinds of material things. But the fact that they are not gonna see Rebecca 
they're not totally settled with. So, what do they do? What everyone should do? In verse 56, and he said to them, Do not hinder me, since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away so that I can go to my master. I'm going to need to skip down. And so, verse 57, so they said, we will call the young woman and ask her personally. Then they called Rebekah and said to her, will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. So they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant, and his men, and they blessed Rebekah and said to her, Our sister, may you become the mother of thousands, of tens of thousands, and may your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them. So they gave her a blessing. She said something that's very powerful. I will go. Nobody could really say that for her, right? That she was under the authority of her father, and, and, and he had the authority to give her away as a bride. But God's heart is not that we would be forced. Not that we, you would be forced to come to Jesus. You come to Jesus on your own or not. And she had this decision to make. You're going to stay here in your place of comfort. Think about it for a second. She is leaving everything that she knows. Everything. Her life, her comfort, her work, her identity, everything. She's leaving everything. She's leaving without any idea of what she's about to encounter. I think that's, that's why it's so hard for so many to come to Jesus. Listen, I came with skid marks in the dirt for over a year. I knew the Lord was calling me. I just knew that. Some of you know that today. God's calling you. He's, he's uh, giving you this opportunity. But you know that it's going to change everything about you. Your reputation, your, your friends, your, it's going to change everything about your life. Are you willing to do it? I will go. I will, or not. So my hat is off to this woman when she says, I will go. She just surrendered all. Gives a whole new meaning to that song, doesn't it? I surrender all. All, I surrender all. So they sent away Rebecca and their sister and her nurse and Abraham's servant and his men, and they blessed her. Then verse 61, and Rebecca and her maids arose, and they rode on the camels and followed the man. So the servant took Rebecca and departed. So they're riding on these camels, right? How many of them is there? Ten. Ten symbolic of the law, Right? And so, and, and the law, the camels are strong. The law is strong. 
And this is such a picture of what it says in the New Testament that the law is a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Rebecca, being a type of the church, right, is, is riding on these camels till when? Till she meets her Jesus. Till she meets her Isaac, her husband. And so many people don't know the law. So therefore, they don't, when they hear the gospel, they like what it sounds like, but it doesn't really have a lot of weight in their life. Grace? Really? I can just come to Jesus by grace? Yeah, by grace you've been saved. That's the good news. The bad news is the law, right? The bad news is the law. The Ten Commandments that, that have strength over your life and mine when we're living our lives apart from Christ, we are under the law, and it is strong. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 56, the strength of the law is sin. Why is the law so strong? Because you and I are fallen. We're sinful. That's why the law is so strong. But that law weights us down, and then we come to Jesus, and then we, we're set free. And this is what we're seeing here happening as Rebecca is riding these camels. I, I got on one of them camels one time, one of them double humpers. And I mean, that, them things are hard as a rock. I'll bet they got chafed, right? Because they're, they're probably 20, 25 days journey, riding a camel 25 miles a day. I don't know if you've ever been saddle sore, but it's not pleasant. And, and so they're riding these camels on this, on this journey. And it says in verse 62, Now Isaac came from the way of Beer Lahoroi, for he dwelt in the south, and Isaac went out to meditate in the field in the evening. And he lifted his eyes and looked, and there the camels were coming. Then Rebekah lifted her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from her camp. Wait a minute. Yeah. Did I, did I miss? I missed something there, didn't I? And lifted her eyes and looked, and there the camels were coming. Then Rebekah lifted her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from her camel, for she had said to the servant, Who is this man walking in the field to meet us? And the servant said, It is my master. And she took a veil and covered herself. Now, anybody have the old King James Version? Does it say lift off? He lit off her camel? Lighted off her camel. The first case of smoking in the Bible. <laughs> Just kidding. She lighted off her camel. Filterless, no doubt. Just kidding. Maybe it was getting too serious. I don't know. But, so these two meet. And she, she covers herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. And then Isaac brought her un, into his mother Sarah's tent. And he took Rebekah. And she became his wife. And he loved her. And so Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Really cool love story. But the, 
The spiritual allegories in it are, are so powerful, and I just want to close with this today as, as we look at it. When you compare Rebecca and the church and Isaac and Jesus, we, we haven't seen our Lord face to face, right? You and I are veiled in this flesh, but maybe not for long, right? He's coming. We're going to be with our king, our master, our savior, our bridegroom. And um, I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more precious that day, that thought is. Especially when you see the world and you see the stuff going on around the world. It is just a glorious thought knowing that we're going to be with our king. And so the the, the two the takeaways from this in, in the picture of Rebecca in the church is that they were both chosen for marriage before they knew it. They were, I didn't know, I didn't know about this whole marriage supper of the Lamb when I first got saved, right? That we're going to have this party with Jesus. Uh, you know, uh, being at Michelle and Brandon's wedding here a few weeks back, it's just, it was just, it was just, it was glorious. It was a blast. Can you imagine what that marriage supper of the Lamb's going to be like? It's just going to be so cool. You ain't never been to a party like this one. I'm telling you, right? It's going to be awesome. Uh, they were necessary for the accomplishment of God's eternal purpose, right? That's why Jesus came and died on the cross, was for us as a purchase for his bride. We're destined to share the glory of the Son, We, um, we learned of the son from his representatives, right? Somebody told you about Jesus. Who was it? Was it Billy Graham? Right? Was it your grandma? Was it a friend? That's how they learned about the son. And this one is powerful in the picture of Rebecca in the church is they must leave all with joy to be with the Son. Got to leave everything. Your identity, who you are, what you want to be, your, your good fortune, your reputation might cost you everything. You got to leave it all. But think about this. When they told Rebecca about Isaac, they said everything that Abraham had, all of his riches are the sons. That's what the New Testament tells us. Everything that Jesus has, it's ours. We are joint heirs with him. If that doesn't excite you, you don't realize what you have. It should excite you. And last of all, they were loved and cared for by the son. Have you, have you experienced the love of Jesus? If you haven't, you're missing out. Because there ain't no love like that. For there is no greater love that one would lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus laid his life down for you. That's how much he loves you. And the picture of Isaac and, 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 and Jesus, uh, they were both permitted or promised before the coming. They're coming, right? The son was promised. We have all these prophecies of Jesus that he would come. And he, in fact, did and finally appeared at the appointed time. And um, they were both conceived and born miraculously, right? Isaac out of a dead womb. 
Jesus out of the womb of a virgin. They were given a special name before they were born, right? We talked about the whole gender reveal thing. Isaac's name meant laughter. Jesus' name means Jehovah is salvation. They were offered up and sacrificed by the Father. They were brought back from the dead. Isaac, so to speak, the Bible says, were head of a great company to bless all people. Jesus is the head of the church. Prepared a place for their bride and had a ministry of prayer until united with the bride. What was Isaac doing? He was out in the field. He was praying. The Bible says that Jesus ever lives and makes intercession for you and me. He's praying for us. I don't know about you, but I need his prayers. I need your prayers. You need my prayers. We need to pray. We need to be people of prayer. As I was going through this, it was fascinating because over and over again, we've seen that Abraham actually, his descendants are in two classifications, right? He says, your descendants are going to be as numerable as the sand on the seashore or the stars in heaven. I believe that those are specific for two things. The sand on the seashore is where? It's on the earth. It's on the earth. Abraham has so many descendants on the earth, physical descendants. But the spiritual descendants, I'm convinced, are the stars. The stars in the heavens. That's where those stars are. That's who's going to heaven, us children of Abraham. Are you a star or are you a grain of sand? The choice is yours. He's our father of faith. And for those who believe in him, we are on our way. Amen? You and I, we are on our way. Oh, that we would live like it. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for these beautiful pictures, Lord. And we know that you are coming for your bride. Lord, that we're on the precipice. Lord, there's still a veil, but that veil is going to be lifted before too long. Lord, I ask that you, would, uh, that you would bless, that you would bless your people. Lord, that you would give us opportunity over and over again to say, I will go. Lord, that in doing so, we're laying down, truly laying down our lives and picking up our crosses and following you. Lord, you're, you're coming for a bride that has faith. Just as Rebecca had that faith that she was to be the bride of Isaac, somebody who she had never seen. Lord, we have that faith that we're going to be with you even though we've never seen you. Knowing what you did, that you came and you conquered sin and death and the grave and that you are alive and well and that you offer that that citizenship of heaven, being a star of faith to each one of us. If there's anyone here today as we're in our word of prayer right now, and you need to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, I just want to encourage you, please do it. Don't wait. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. 
if that's you and you just want to be sure, just stand to your feet right now. I want to pray for you. You want to know is your heaven bound? Lord bless you back there. Anyone else? be whispering to your heart don't quench don't grieve don't blaspheme receive be led let the Holy Spirit have his way in your life I promise you you won't regret it Lord we thank you Thank you for those who are just willing to say, I will go. I will be all that you've created me to be, surrendered and yielded and empowered. Because without your power, Lord, we're so impotent. We're so unable to do anything that's worthy of you. Lord, would you wash us? These that are standing, Lord, be with them. Empower them by your Holy Spirit. Lord, that we would be willing to identify with you and you only. Bless those who are going to be baptized today, Lord, as they just make a declaration. Lord, that they've been washed. And that they've been forgiven. And that they love you that they can walk in the newness of life. We pray it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let's all stand. Those of you who are going to get baptized, if you want to go get in your clothes, I'm in mine. Um, and if you need prayer, there's going to be some prayer right over here to the my, my right, your left. Uh, please come get prayed for. And then I'll see you out at the tank here in a little bit.